The following episode contains material that may be harmful or traumatizing to some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. A little after midnight on March 3rd, 1991, George Holliday and his wife were awoken by sirens and a helicopter flying low over his apartment complex. The plumber and amateur videographer reached for his brand new Sony camcorder, went out to the balcony, and hit record. What he didn't realize, he was about to capture what was arguably the first viral video of our time. About 90 feet away, four white LAPD officers were beating a black man named Rodney King, stopped after a high-speed pursuit. At home, his seven-year-old daughter Laura saw the brutal beating on television. With no clue, it was her own father. Dramatic videotape obtained by Channel 5 News shows what appears to be a group of LAPD officers beating a suspect. I saw the video, as well as everyone else in the world, not knowing that that was my dad. And then based off of my family's response, I put two and two together and figured out very soon after that that it was my father. So I knew for sure that he was dead. King was struck more than 50 times, kicked six times, and tasered twice, resulting in skull fractures, broken bones and teeth, and permanent brain damage. It's been over 30 years since Rodney King's beating, but the impact from that spring day in 1991 and serious concerns about racism and police brutality continue to be front and center. From Cast Media, this is Media Circus, an inside look at private tragedy in the public eye. I take high-profile crimes you might think you know and connect you with the real people behind the media coverage to share their stories, in their own words, on their own terms. I'm Kim Goldman. The first time I met Laura King and asked how she was doing, she replied, unstoppable. After sitting down with her for this interview, I believe her. A self-proclaimed daddy's girl, something I can relate to, she lights up when talking about her relationship with her father, Rodney. He was very spontaneous. He was a swimmer, skier, surfer, baseball player. He was very athletic, very hands-on. He was a a dad that sat at the front row at back to school night. (laughs) He was a pretty active dad. Laura's parents were separated. She lived with her grandmother and step-grandfather, a Los Angeles undercover sheriff. The TV was on as Laura and her older sister played together in the living room. Take me back to like that day, if you can remember. My sister and I were playing in in the living room and we were all watching it. I just remember thinking, well, that guy has the same name as my dad. And then when I realized that was my father, I kind of went numb because I knew for sure I would never see him again because I knew someone couldn't live through anything like that. It was pretty hard to watch, but yeah, I couldn't stop watching because I'd never seen anything like that. The family was devastated witnessing Laura's dad being brutalized on their television. But where was he? They called hospitals, police stations. No one could tell them where Rodney was. My mother, my grandmother, everybody that knew my dad. Heck, everybody that didn't even know him was in a state of shock. The first time it broke, we didn't know where he was. We didn't see him for several days. They hit him. So every hospital, every jail, everyone was saying that they can't find him. They can't find him. They can't find him. So it had been several days till finally, and that was purposely so that the swelling and things of that nature had gone down. Who's they? Who, who hid him? 
um, the police department, the jails, they hid him in the hospital. I didn't see him until still several days after the video. Oh my gosh. And you guys had no idea what had happened to you? No. At some point, Rodney was moved to a rehabilitation hospital where he was finally reunited with his family. If you can take yourself back, what is happening in your heart when you're walking up to your dad? Imagine that being your father and you're a little girl. I'm sorry. It's very indescribable because I think about like when I was that age and I think about my daughter at seven and I think about George Floyd's daughter. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. And then when I walked over to him, I didn't want to touch him because it was he looked horrible. I can't even describe it. Like, And I had nightmares and I still have anxiety from that. But I had nightmares forever. The pictures and the videos don't do it justice to in person. I don't wish that upon anybody to see their dad like that. I really don't. But seven-year-old Laura wasn't the only one traumatized. Rodney was suffering physically, mentally, and emotionally. That kind of broke him. It didn't kind of, it did break him in a lot of ways. I know the effect that it had on me, so I can imagine him being who he is. I can only imagine. He kind of isolated himself for a period of time just because it was heavy. You know, it was something that he was really having a hard time adjusting. The attack took a heavy toll on the family, not only due to the horrific incident, but also with the sudden attention from strangers. He loved food. We'd always go out to eat. We never had those intimate moments, so we would get very frustrated because people would come up to him and say pretty much anything you can name, and he was very patient. He would just smile, nod his head, listen, do whatever they want, take pictures. We were frustrated. We were like, okay, we're over this already. Can we just eat? Laura also had to adjust to uncertainty and instability, something extremely difficult for anyone, let alone a seven-year-old girl. I went to five elementaries, two middle schools. We moved a lot. Were you afraid for your safety? I was, actually. I was. Going to public school with kids that are exposed to racist parents and agreed with the videotape um, said all kind of cruel things. And I, I don't understand why we judge people based off of the color of their skin. Imagine if we all closed our eyes and we saw everyone like Stevie Wonder saw everyone. You know, I often propose that to people because... That's what you should judge people on. The other things, that's God-given. We don't have any responsibility of that. So as a kid, and still to this day, it's something that I really, really struggle with. How could you be so cruel to a person because of what they look like? That's out of their control. That's really selfish to me. So when people reach out to me about my brother, it's that, oh, your brother deserved it. Were those the kinds of things that people were saying to you? They definitely were. Like, oh, he was a criminal. He was running from the law anyway. And you shouldn't have gave the police a hard time. And he was fighting back. And clearly, you can see in that video, he had broken legs. He was literally crawling for his life. They said he was charging at the police. I'd never seen any part of that video where he was charging at the police. I never saw him running towards the police. Not one part of the video. So did you feel compelled at that time to defend your dad? Or I did. Every chance, every chance I get, and I still do, because those were not the initial police on the scene that pulled him over. The initial police on the scene that pulled him over had it under control. Those guys came in and said, we got it from here to try to prove a point. And there was a, several black officers on the scene that stood there with their hands behind their back and did not do anything, didn't speak up, didn't do anything. And that's the part that hurt my dad the most. Feeling betrayed and left behind. Yeah. And he ran 
and I, I don't make an excuse for him because that's not an excuse. He shouldn't have ran. But the reason he did run is because this was normal. It was normal for a black man to be beaten and they were never mentally the same again. When we saw this, it's egregious, right? And so to hear you say that it's normal, so much of the world didn't didn't know that. I think that's the part that the video sort of speaks volumes to what you were already experiencing, your dad yeah. was already experiencing, and now the world got to witness. How do you reconcile with having the world now see what your experience was always? Anybody that's human is directly affected by that video. Anybody that has a heart is directly affected by that video. And I'd be affected even if the tables were turned and this was happening to Caucasian or Asian or Black or green people. I would still be affected because it breaks my heart to see anything like that. There's no justification for that at all. And it never will be for me. I remember seeing the news, obviously, in the video, just replaying over and over and over again. And I'm wondering, were you re-victimized? Were you re-traumatized every time the video played? I have to develop tough skin because I can be anywhere and no one knows who I am. And I have to adjust properly and not act irrational. It's definitely something that you have to adjust to. It, it, you develop thick skin, but it also humanizes you enough to look around and see, are people really affected by this? Are you okay with this? No matter where we went, everyone in the world was watching it. So it was like really no escaping it. I've been given four pieces of jewelry in my life. While it sounds like a small number, they carry a big significance. My brother's ring and necklace after he died, a bangle bracelet my son bought me one Mother's Day, and my engagement ring from my love. So I have this belief that jewelry has to mean something really important. And while it does, I have learned that gifting myself just because is also really important. And Missouri is my go-to place to make it happen. Missouri does fine jewelry differently by celebrating every day, not just the big moments. If you're looking for something you'll actually wear and love forever, or you want to give a gift that's built to last, is sustainable, and doesn't have the traditional 10 times the price markups, celebrate you or someone you love with jewelry from Missouri. And since Missouri drops new limited edition products every Monday, there's always something shiny to look forward to. Make your own day and go to Missouri.com. That's M-E-J-U-R-I.com. Two weeks after the attack, four LAPD officers were charged. An LA County grand jury indicted three of the four officers with felony assault with a deadly weapon and excessive use of force by a police officer. The sergeant and commanding officer was charged with aiding and abetting. All four pleaded not guilty. When you first looked at this videotape, did you possibly believe that it contained excessive force? Yes or no? I'd have to say no. Six months later, due to the case's massive publicity and highly charged political environment, the trial was moved to Simi Valley, California, a nearly all-white suburb, 30 miles north of downtown Los Angeles. This move, made months before the trial started, was as important as anything the defense would do during the trial. Many believed that the videotape was more than enough evidence to convict the four Los Angeles police officers. April 29, 1992, over a year after Rodney King was attacked, a jury deliberates for seven days. We would like to say that this experience has been an extremely difficult and stressful one. One 
which we have all agonized over a great deal. Ultimately finding the officers not guilty. We the jury in the above entitled action find the defendant Stacy C. Kuhn not guilty of the crime of assault. The defendants being congratulated as the verdict not guilty rang through the packed courtroom over and over again. The four LA It has been devastating to the image of this city and especially to our police department. I was numb again because I didn't understand how did they get acquitted. Like, I had no idea. Like, that was mind-blowing for me. How could you justify something like that? Even if that was a video in black and white and we couldn't see the color, I would not be okay with that. I keep thinking of, of how you and I are connected. When my brother was killed, our case was downtown Los Angeles. And I remember during most of the trial, there was a lot of conversations about your, your dad and that trial and the riots. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder and violation. A couple of the jurors said that their acquittal was payback for the acquittal in your dad's case. Do you think that they're members of the jury that voted to acquit OJ because of Rodney King? Yes. You do? Yes. How many of you think felt that way? Oh, probably 90% of us. 90%? Did you feel that way? Yes. That was payback? Uh-huh. You think that's right? That's two different things. And that's what's wrong with the world. They do that. They compare. No, neither situation is justified. The same day, as word of the verdict spreads, Los Angeles erupts. Not guilty of the crime. The city's wide open tonight. I mean, it's it's uh, police and fire can't keep up. Angry demonstrators went on a rampage, taking control of the streets, and it's been an ugly, terrible situation all night long. Fires, looting, gunshots, random beating attacks, and now the National Guard may be ready to move in. I've ordered the Justice Department to dispatch 1,000 federal riot-trained law enforcement officials to help restore order in Los Angeles beginning tonight. On the third day of the uprising, Rodney King makes an emotional plea for peace and calls for the end of the conflict. I just want to say, you know, can we, can we all get along? Can we, can we get along? That line would become famous in American history and referenced countless times in pop culture. Can't we all just get along? Why can't we all just get along? The civil unrest would continue for a couple more days, ultimately resulting in 60 deaths, thousands of injuries, and up to a billion dollars in damages. I don't agree with violence. I don't agree with riots, but I definitely understand it. Martin Luther King says the riots are the language of the unheard. It's like you're doing this to people. You're killing people. You're doing all these things and tell them, oh, it's not a big deal. Why are you angry? Well, it's not happening to you. So of course, some people are not going to be affected. But now we live in a world where we have more interracial couples. We have more people that are friends with Black people and they're directly affected by this and they're not okay with it. And people are speaking up. People are speaking up in different ways not just in violent ways. They're speaking up using their voice. And I think that that's so needed in the world. Do you think that the message gets lost in that process when there is so much damage physically, financially? President George Bush at the time, you know, sending in military help. I mean, it 
really like I just wonder if the message got lost and all of that. I do. I know that's why they stopped because he made that statement. But um, I, I often ask myself the question of why can't we have that same attitude when an African American woman, kid, man are killed? Why can't it be a state of emergency on someone's life? Why does it have to be merchandise or materialistic things in order for us to send in troops? Why can't that be, hey, this is the same kind of emergency of someone's life? In May of 2020, almost 30 years after Rodney King was beaten by police, George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, was murdered by a white police officer during an arrest. And the body language of that officer who had his knee on his neck was very nonchalant, very nonchalant. That part, that just bothers me. It bothers my soul. I think about George Floyd's family. I have the privilege of meeting his sister, and we're friends now. And it saddens me that she will never see her brother again. And it saddens me that Gianna and myself were the same age when both of those things happened to our dad, but she will never see her dad again. Luckily, she knows who her dad is, and she developed a relationship with him before the world told her, you know, he was. Otherwise, I couldn't imagine where she would be. I just look at things, and I just feel like we should be further along than we are today. We've came a long way. We have, and I'm so proud. However, we got so much growing to do still. You mentioned earlier with your dad's attack that there were officers that were standing by and didn't do anything. And we've seen that repeatedly in all these other cases. 17 other so-called police bystanders at the beating scene will not be indicted. However morally wrong their failure to intercede, in California law, there is no criminal statute under which these officers can be indicted. What it comes up for you when you see that? It lets me know that there's plenty of George Floyds out there. It lets me know that there's plenty of Rodney Kings out there. It lets me know that there's plenty of those fellows out there that probably will never be the same again, mentally, emotionally. There's a lot of those people we're looking at walking the street and we're like, whoa, that guy completely lost his mind. But I often propose the question to America and ask, how many of those people, probably something like that has happened to them and they never was given the proper help needed? after an incident with somebody of higher authority. While the four officers were acquitted of state charges, two were ultimately convicted in federal court of violating King's civil rights. They were sentenced to 30 months and released in 1995. Has your vision of law enforcement changed over the years? I have friends that are police officers. It's like a few, not very many, but they give me hope in society. But I have a natural response with police officers and it's like I have to explain sometimes because I try to like compose myself but it's very hard very very hard is there a sense of fear that comes over you when these trials happen and and for what might repeat itself from what happened with your dad every time and it's sad to me because it's become so normal that it doesn't have an effect on some people and it's someone's life this is someone's father this is someone's brother it's not just just any old life. This is someone that will never be seen again. I've seen interviews and have heard both of you talk about how you don't hold a grudge against the LAPD. I need to understand that. How's that possible? You know why? Because if I close my eyes and held a grudge, that means that God would held a grudge on me. And I've done things that disappointed him so many times. And yet the next day he gives me a new sheet. Now, 
hold a grudge and forgiveness, I can't say I forgive them. I have not mastered that. You know, I wish that I was mature enough. That's one thing I would say. Have you forgiven these officers? Yes, I have forgiven them because I've been forgiven many times. My country has been good to me and I've, I've done some things that wasn't pleasant in my lifetime. And I've been, I have been forgiven for that. My dad probably did. Most likely he did, but I can't. I can't because my life is shattered because of that. My life will never be the same because of that. But I know that from pain, it pushes you to greatness. And I'm not rich financially, but I'm rich spirited. And with that alone, it gives people hope. We all have the ability to have the domino effect on the world. And if we use our pain like you're doing, this is greatness. Speaking, have uncomfortable conversations to push you to the next level. That's the true gift of life. Was there ever an apology that was extended to you or your family? It's funny you say that. So Commander Ruby, and she's captain now. That was the first time someone's ever apologized to me. Um, She did. And I can tell she was actually genuine about it. She had tears in her eyes. And I was comforting her. (laughs) It's so weird. And we became friends, you know, here and there. I went down to the headquarters about two years ago, as well as I flew to San Francisco and had a meeting with 25 commander officers as well. And that was different for me because the reaction, I didn't expect that reaction. And it was about three officers that were crying. And these were grown white men crying. And it kind of shattered me a little because I I didn't want to have that effect. I just wanted them to feel what it felt like to be a child watching this happen to your father. And it was very healing for me. June 2012, Rodney King was found dead at the age of 47. His death was ruled an accidental drowning. Laura was crushed and, like me, still finds it hard to see her hero on video. I still can't watch videos of my dad walking and talking. I still can't hear his voice. I did it like twice in 10 years. This year will be 10 years. You don't want to be around me when I do that. I was able to watch one full interview, but it was on mute. What happens to you when you watch... Because I, I have the same thing. What happens? Um, I, I cry. I cry. See, like, thinking about it, I'm like, I'm trying to bring it together. It's hard. It's so hard for me. It's very hard for me because I'm in denial. I have not been honest with myself. I'm still childlike when it comes to my relationship with my dad. So it's so hard. I'm, I struggle. I struggle so bad. But doing this, it's weird. It kind of helps me with my grieving, if that makes sense. It kind of helps me give hope to the world because I'm like, we can all do this. What do your kids know and how do you talk to them about this? My daughter was five when my dad passed. She didn't know the extent of who he was. She just knew him as grandpa. Literally their relationship. They would make beads together. They would do art. He bought her her first laptop computer. He would sit on the floor and do artwork with her. She didn't know who he was until he passed. And I attempted to watch the the interview with him and Oprah Winfrey attempted. I still never watched it, still to this day. I did have hate for the cops for a time, but I know the way my mom had raised me, because if I walk around bitter and mad, I'm doing the same thing that they did to me. And that's not the way, that's not the way generations are supposed to leave the next generation. I don't like the way it makes me feel when, when I watch my dad walking and talking and he's not alive and I'm able to see him walking and talking and be alive. I attempted to watch it and I was hysterically crying and she came in the living room and uh, she didn't understand what was going on. She's like, wait, that looks like grandpa, but he looks different. He looks different. Wait, what's that? What's that video? And I had to explain to her and she, it did not make sense to her because police officers in her eyes, that didn't make sense. 
So I had to explain that to her. My son's three. That's going to be a tough one because he's never met him. But my dad's name is his middle name. So, and I'm sure it's going to be in his history books. I can't escape. You can't escape. Our families, our stories are constantly being referred to. I mean, I don't even give my last name a lot. So when you walk around throughout the world in the day, are you like, here I am? Or is it you got to test the waters and see how the people are that you're interacting with before you can trust them with who you are? Yep. And 99% of the time is someone else telling someone else who I am. I never go into the situation like, unfortunately, if my name is brought up, they jokingly say like, Oh, are you really some Martin Luther King? Every blue moon, someone will say Rodney King, and I'll say, actually, that's my father. Totally throws people, like, no, seriously, don't joke. I'm like, I'm not joking. If I'm going to joke, I'm going to say, like, Barack Obama or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> What do people say to you when they connect the dots? Oh, I have people cry now, the last year and a half. Do you mind if I hug you? Do you mind? Are you okay? And I'm like, are you okay? Are you okay with that information that you just don't? No, I'm not okay. I said, imagine me. Imagine me. And look at the smile. Imagine me. <laughs> Do people tell you where they were when they saw the video? Oh my God, Kim. What? <laughs> I know you have that too. I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm on the time frame here. You know what? I put the church finger up. Give me one second and I just have to go. <laughs> oh, sorry. There's a call coming in. <laughs> Do you in any way hold the media and social media accountable for that? Mm. Absolutely, because there was things displayed. During the time of the beating, my father was tested. He did have marijuana in his system. He did not have PCP. He did not have cocaine. However, I can't speak for any incident after that. (laughs) That's why I'm not uh, painting an angel here. However, that particular night, uh, they tested him and he did have marijuana, but they painted a picture. It's just unfortunate how the media portrayed him. And it's like, you guys didn't capture any of the good stuff he did. None of the good stuff. And I'm not taking away from the bad stuff because he wasn't an angel. But he he was a good person too, though. And he was a father. You know, they never painted any of that. And it's like, the media has a big, 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 big influence in the whole world of everything going on. And I think sometimes they fumbled the ball. I do. Why do you think that? With what? Because they don't tell the entire truth. They tell what they want the world to know. There's always three sides to a story. There's that person, this person, and the truth. So you have to mix it up when you're making a cake. You can't just put eggs and expect the cake to rise. You have to tell the whole entire truth in order for everyone, all walks of life, to get the whole story. That's one of the reasons why I started the I Am King Scholarship, because the media has a way of portraying Black men. They're horrible. They're upset. They're absent. It's like, I know plenty of fathers that are black, that are hands-on. I know plenty of dads that comb hair, that do things. And it's like, I don't like the way the media portrays black men. That's one of the reasons why I did that. If white men were portrayed as horrible guys and this, I would want to uplift them too, because we're all part of this big puzzle. We're all part of this puzzle. Not just black people, not just white people. How do you think that they could do better? I feel like they can show more positive image of black men. I feel like they can show more positive images of black families. It's always a negative part to it when they do show. Now, I see they're doing better. I see there's black families on huggies. You know, I see there's black dads. I'm like, wow, it's sad that we have to get happy. Do you feel like mistruths are out there and you want to correct them, though, when it comes to stuff with your dad? I don't even care to change their mind. I'm just here to paint a picture of a human. Now, was he perfect? Absolutely not. But he was a human and he was a father. 
What do you want your dad's legacy to be? Hope. I would want my dad's legacy to be hope. Try not to judge people and figure out your place in the puzzle and help someone. Use your pain to help someone in any way. I look overall at the way my dad handled life, and I think he handled it the best he could. I think he did. He had demons that he fought with. He definitely did. But overall, I think given the proper help that it wasn't given to him, I think he handled life the best way he knew about it. For the past five years, Laura has been the director of the Rodney King Foundation, whose mission is to promote positive race relations and achieve social justice. Did you always think that you'd have a life of advocacy, speaking and meeting with officers and trying to affect a different outcome? Not at all, but since I was a little girl, my job until I'm expired from this place is to project hope to the hopeless. I I give because I believe in hope. I do believe in hope. I really, really do. Are there things that you want people to know that they don't? Life is hard. Don't make it hard for someone else or figure out a way that maybe you can help them lighten the blow. Even though we just met, I'm genuinely honored to meet you. I can only imagine what it's like to get up and be you. And this right here is the secret sauce. So I acknowledge people like yourself to use your pain and and push you forward. I really appreciate that. There are definitely days where I just want to give up and walk away. Yeah. And I keep thinking about my brother didn't get that chance, right? And and what my brother endured and, and the pain that he felt. I just feel like I don't have a choice. I feel like that too. Some days I want to tap out like I'm done. And those days you're reminded by something. You're like, I wanted to take a break today. I think part of living this life and having it be so high profile is that everybody else has their emotions. And when they finally meet me or you, you and I are the one place they're like, oh, she gets it. And then they give it all to you because there's, there's a familiarity. (laughs) And it's heavy. (laughs) And then they walk away and they're like, see ya. And you're like, (laughs) just trying to process the day. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Seriously. It's so true. Laura King is a prime example of finding purpose in the pain. Her strength, resilience, and passion for being a light in the world is awesome and inspiring. We are all part of the puzzle. And I feel like the puzzle is incomplete without you, me, someone fat, skinny, purple, blue. I feel like if we just take those things and plug it in, we can have the domino effect on the world. And then the entire world can look at us like, wow, we did it. It took us a while, but look, we did it. Yeah, unstoppable. Follow and support Laura's work at RodneyKing.org. To continue the conversation, please follow me on social media at Kim E. Goldman. Media Circus is a cast original podcast, executive produced and hosted by me, Kim Goldman. Produced by Jackie McDougall. Edited by Jordan Cantor. Mixed and mastered by Anton Doty. Harper Carlton as our associate producer. Subscribe to Media Circus wherever you listen to podcasts, and please share with a friend.